everyone. We are just wrapping up our family fun night. We had a blast. Really got to say this. Thank you to all of our volunteers. Hey, volunteers. Thank you. Okay, sorry, if I missed you, you get thanks then. Hey, a uh, couple quick announcements. Uh, this upcoming Wednesday is our next jam night. I'll be there with the guitar and some chord charts. We're going to sing some worship songs together. Vocalists, musicians, perhaps you don't sing very well. That's okay. You're still welcome to come. Join us. We're going to have a great night of worship that night. Uh, next month, we have some cool stuff coming up. There will be a One More Youth, March 1st at 6.30 p.m. That's a week from Wednesday. And also, we have another Night Watch coming up. That's a night of worship and prayer and ministry. It's a great night. That'll be March 15th at 6.30 p.m. Keep downloading the app. Our Bible studies will be meeting. The, the Lectio night is also meeting Thursday nights. Men's and women's Bible studies on Tuesday nights. Download the app for more information. And hey, everybody, let's get ready for church. Five second awkward pause. Everybody online, welcome. Glad to have you with us. We're getting ready to jump back in here. And uh, we've had so much fun. Uh, we worshiped last night, this morning, so we're glad you're with us. And then we're back into our series, The Question Jesus Asked. Today we're looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. So get ready for that. Get your Bibles, get a coffee, get comfy, because uh, we're getting ready to go. Woo! Good morning, family. It is great to see all your faces and hear your voices. As always, I love just being in the room with all the relationship happening. It's a really good feeling. I don't know. I, you know, I'm just home with the kids all day. So it's nice to have like grown-up conversation. I'm just, okay. What she's really saying is she loves to eavesdrop. <laughs> I did not go there. I'm just joking. Wow, Doug. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. My street cred is gone. No, no, it's not. In fact, it's raised. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to tell you guys what we'll be attempting to do this morning. In case you didn't know, we're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Alice will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the Word with Pastor Doug. We are in the Questions Jesus Asked, Part 7 today. Siete. Siete, very nice. Uh, but before we begin, <laughs> let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we are so thankful to be gathered together with our family to celebrate and worship you. Papa, we thank you for the movement that you are doing in college campuses all over our country. We are so excited for your spirit falling afresh. And we ask that you would do it here. Yes. So Papa, as we turn our attention wholly on you this morning, 
Fill us with that fresh wind, God. Fill us with your love so that it overflows so that we can love each person around us with your love and love them into your kingdom and into your family as well. We love you and we are so thankful for the love that you showed us. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, whose blessed son came to earth that he might destroy the works of the evil one and make us children of God and heirs of eternal life. Grant that we who have this hope may purify ourselves as he is pure so that when he shall come again in power and in great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom where he lives and reigns with you, Father, and with you, Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning, and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? And amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship. And I'd just like to encourage us all to sing out and lift our voices and participate as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We'll see the words show up on the screen so it'll be easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit. Stand if you're able. We speak the name of Jesus.
Oh, we love you, Lord. We are so, so thankful for this time in your presence, Lord. You're so good to us. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord, we want to draw closer to you in this time. So Lord, as we prepare to study your word, would you anoint the words that are spoken, that are taught? Use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. And the Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And hey, Mom, why don't you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Thank you. Good morning. Mm. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. Hi. How are you today? Y'all good? Welcome. Hi. Good morning. Hey, Cole, how you doing? Good. What's happening? Stomach upset. Oh, I'm sorry. Lord, heal Cole's tummy. In Jesus' name, he's got tummy upset. Has it? I'm sorry, baby. All right. Good. Nobody likes stomach bugs. That's the word of the day. God is a promise keeper. Amen. Okay, so our Bible story, your Bible lesson today is out of the book of Nehemiah. Old Testament story again. Nehemiah was a good leader, and he cared about God, and he cared about people. And he wanted to make the Israelite people safe by rebuilding Jerusalem. But when he got there, he had to tell them, you know, you guys really aren't living for God. Has anybody here ever had to say they were sorry? Does your, yeah. Does mom ever say, okay, you got to go tell them you're sorry. And you go, but you do it, right? And you know what happens after you say you're sorry? You feel a little bit better, right? You go, oh, that's the way to grace. Well, when Nehemiah told the people of Israel they had to say they were sorry to God, do you know what they did? They said they were sorry. They did. They re- that's, that's what we say they repented, which is just a... A funny way of saying they turned around and did the right thing. And we have a saying at the church, and it goes like this. Do the next right thing. He did that with emotion. Could you tell? Do the next right thing. Come on, you're my wingman. you got to help me here. So we're going to do this Bible verse from Nehemiah. And after... They said they were sorry to God, and they changed their ways, and they were nice to each other, and they cared for people. Nehemiah said, let's say this to God. Nehemiah 9.5. Do you want to talk in the microphone? Yeah. Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Nine. Nine. Five. Five. Yeah, you're really cute. May your glorious. May your glorious. Name B. be praise. Praise. Good job, you guys. May it be. May it be. May it be. Good job. Exalted. Exalted. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> Above all blessing. Above all blessing. Good job, Tyler. And praise. And praise. 
Awesome job, kiddos. Good job, Wesley. All right, you guys. You got it's something. There is a birthday. Who's who's Aiden's birthday? He's oh, Aiden's birthday. Aiden. He's way over there. Happy He's hiding. birthday, buddy. Here, we'll do this. Way I don't know how there. to play it on keyboard, but He's here we hiding. Go. Happy birthday to you. job, Isla. That was awesome. Okay, now we're going to pray like Pastor Georgina taught us. Who remembers? We bow our heads, we close our eyes, and we think about God. Papa, I thank you for these children here today, Lord. I pray you would bless them all the days of their lives, that they would say yes to you, that they would rise up and be a generation that brings your light wherever they go. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Okay, you guys can go to your Sunday school class. Amen. They are going to have a blast at Sunday school. Well, good morning. I'm uh, I'm always so excited when I get the opportunity to. Uh, Get to share the, the message. It's a tremendous privilege. So thanks, Dad. A uh, couple little things of church keeping before we jump in. Uh, gotta say this. If you were with us on Wednesday where you volunteered for the family fun night, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you guys, you crushed it. Crushed it. We folded those bounce houses many times. Try folded. <laughs> I, you know, I'm good at opening them up, but folding them up, I struggle with. I can't, I can't make a bed without, I just can't do it. So thank you. Thank you all so much. <laughs> it's the fitted bed sheets I struggle with the most. <laughs> that was a great event. We had so many like new families come into the building. So church, thank you for supporting us as we do things like that. Uh, another thing, if it's your first time here, welcome. We're so glad that you joined us. Up on the screens is a QR code. This is how we do connect cards here at the Vineyard. It's all digital. Uh, you'll scan that with your phone's camera app. It'll take you to a link. Uh, give us your basic contact info. And that just helps us connect with you because we just want to get to know you better. So uh, you don't have to, but it's there if you would like to. And there's, a first time guest. And there's also a first-time uh, guest gift in the back. Is it fragile? I don't know, don't, don't chuck it on the ground, but uh, it's there. If you've not gotten one, do so back at guest services. We take this time in our services to encourage our church to be praying for our neighbors, that as you, uh, as you go home and as you're living your life this week, getting ready for, for church next week on the, the days in between, be praying for the people who live in the homes around yours. Be praying for your neighbors and your community. This makes a significant kingdom impact when we're all doing this together. So I would encourage you to do so. And to reinforce that, let's go ahead and pray for our community together. Holy Spirit, would you come again as you are so faithful to show up, Lord. We, we love you. We worship you. You are holy. You are worthy of all of our praise. Father, we, we thank you so much for these amazing islands that we call home. God, it, it, it's such a privilege to just see the awesomeness of your creation every day, Lord. So help us never to take that for granted. 
Uh, and Father, right now I pray for, for the inhabitants of these islands, those who live here, those who visit. Uh, God, I, I'd ask your, your blessing and your peace and your presence on these islands, God, that people couldn't step foot on these keys without knowing how close you are, God. Lord, we want to see renewal, revival, and breakthrough on our islands, Lord. So bring your kingdom to our homes, God. And Father, I pray for the, the people who live in the homes that are directly around this church building. God, would you give them extra grace and extra blessing, uh, particularly this time of the week. And uh, Father, I pray for the churches that neighbor our church as well, that are all throughout the keys, that are proclaiming your gospel and doing your kingdom work. Lord, would you bless them with every resource and provision and person that they need to fulfill the missions that you've called them to? We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We are continuing on in our series called The Questions That Jesus Asked. This is part seven, and uh, we've had such an amazing series so far. My dad's been been having us read through the, the Gospels, and as we're reading through, we're to note and highlight the questions that Jesus asks. He asks over 300 questions in the Gospel, and they, they're, they're a teaching tool. They require us to go in, dig in, and, and study, just, just like the parables, and we'll be talking about a parable today. Um, and we're, we're encouraging our church to be reading through the Gospels at this time. Last week, we were supposed to read Luke chapter 7 through 11. And this week, we're encouraging you to read Luke chapters 12 through 17 to get ready for next weekend. So Luke chapter 12 through 17, okay? Cool. So last week, uh, we were in Luke, and the question uh, that we discussed was, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. Don't do that right now because you're listening to this one, but you know, maybe later on today or sometime this week. But this week, we're going to be looking at this question, which is, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? One of my favorite parables coming up, but before we can do parables... I uh, have to do a couple of cheesy jokes. It's just tradition from my dad. Did you all read the customer reviews for the new blender that came out? Apparently, it's getting mixed results. <laughs> you got to look for that 4.9 stars with lots of reviews on Amazon. It's important. What did the latter call the footstool? His stepbrother. That got more laughter than I thought it would. Wow. I didn't even chuckle at that one. (laughs) Honey, would you please bail me out and Uh, read our scripture? I mean, I can try. Get us on track. (laughs) Should probably open my Bible. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to blow your new wind, your fresh wind through our church family. That you would continue to stir us up towards love and good deeds, towards being good neighbors. Papa, just like we've been singing, help us to make room for your renewal, to make room for your revival, to make room for your breakthrough. We love you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? Our text today is out of the book of Luke. We're in chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. That question there, so good. That Jesus asks, right? And that's, uh, that's our first point. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor? And, and to really, really answer this question, we need to know the context of which Jesus told this parable. Uh, he was uh, talking to an expert in the law. Uh, we know this to be a Torah scholar. Uh, he would have been well-versed in the scripture. And, and so as he's talking to Jesus, he, he's trying to make himself look smart. Uh, while also trying to trap Jesus into saying something heretical. He's trying to get a one-up on Jesus here. And, uh, you know, we see them dialoguing, and the, the expert in the law does even answer a question about inheriting eternal life correctly, as we read in verse 27. Uh, the expert in the law says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, you got it, bro. Do that, and you'll live. And in providing that correct answer, the expert in the law now has his problem, okay? The, the word that we get neighbor from there was meant uh, to be used for anybody nearby. So neighbor was anyone nearby. And uh, knowing the, the expert in the law there, that would have been problematic for him because that wouldn't have only included the, the people of Israel that he associated with, but it also would have included other people groups uh, who he may not have been as friendly to at that time. Uh, like the Romans, uh, there was also the Samaritans there, and so uh, these religious scholars wouldn't have gotten along with them. And as he's wrestling with this, you know, he asks Jesus, trying to find a loophole, trying to find a workaround. He's, he, he's trying to justify himself, right? He asks, who exactly is my neighbor? And so that's when Jesus, 
is going to give him the parable here. And, you know, we've all heard this parable. It's a tremendous one, one of my favorites, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is going to turn that religious community upside down. So let's look at those verses again, starting in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out the two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Jesus asks our question to the expert in the law. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law, because of his prejudice, because of his antagonism, couldn't stomach himself to say Samaritans. So he says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus tells him to go and do likewise. The, the people of Israel at that time and the Samaritans would have been hostile towards each other because uh, of their, their, their ancestral differences, their, their cultural differences. Um, and, and it just kind of built up. The, the Samaritans and the people of Israel, they were distantly related. Uh, Samaria was a region near... Uh, Israel, it was between Galilee and Judea. The, the city of Samaria, their capital city, uh, was actually the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. There was a time where Israel was split into two kingdoms, the, the southern kingdom, northern kingdom. So their, their city that they were in uh, was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel at the time. Very close proximity to each other. Uh, the exile of the Israelites to uh, Babel, Babylonia. How do you even say that? Babel? Babel. Babylon. Thank you. I see Babylonians in the notes. That's a long word. But uh, when they were into exile by the Babylonians, that occurred around 587 BC. The Samaritans were left behind because at that time in history, a conquering people group would take a lot of the people out but leave some of them in and then intermix them with other people that they've conquered uh, to try to prevent any sort of uprisings. It was a way to like change their culture and uh, sort of blend them in. But the, the people that stayed, the Samaritans there, uh, they developed their own worship practices that were different than the uh, people of Israel that were exiled. Uh, they, they built a new temple there. They created an alternate center of religion there. Uh, their language would have changed, uh, you know, as, as a lot of their other cultural things would have. It was a slightly different version of Aramaic. Uh, they, they had a different version of the scriptures and they intermarried with the neighboring people groups. And because of all of those changes, the, the people of Israel uh, viewed them as impure religiously and half-breeds racially. So there was, there was prejudice because of them. And the Samaritans, uh, their side of the story was that they were the true keepers of faith because they were the ones who stayed on that land. They hadn't been exiled. So they, they have these differences of opinion and you know, it's, it's hundreds of years since the exile and the time Jesus is in, and these, these antagonisms, these prejudices are so deeply rooted in their, their cultures that they can't see past it. Their, their capitals, their, their capitals of their, their cities were only 42 miles apart. Uh, I jokingly said 
they were closer to each other than we are to Walmart. <laughs> Probably get there faster. We, you know, but <laughs> to outsiders, these people groups would have appeared nearly identical because they had a family relation, right? Uh, it, but by Jesus' time, there was just this, this, this hatred of the, these people groups. And uh, because of that antagonism, uh, the Jewish people would have taken a route that would have enabled them to go around Samaria. And um, that route was, was filled with, with dangers. It was known that that desert road from Jericho to Jerusalem, it has all these twists and turns, and, and thieves could just kind of look out and wait for the right moment and, and take you out. And if you were sort of traveling by yourself, you were just an easy target. So in the parable, we read the man traveling on the road all by himself, gets left half for dead, all of his stuff's taken. And uh, now we see in the parable the, the priest and the Levite, these temple officials walk by. And uh, at this time, Jesus is telling the parable that the temple officials, it would have been very important for them uh, to remain pure. And uh, one of the ways they could lose this purity was by touching a corpse. So rather than risking that and dealing with the process of, you know, repurifying themselves in, in the, the old law, they just decided to kind of sidestep. Maybe they sidestepped like this. I don't know. They could have, you know, gone way out of the way instead of taking the, the expressway. Who knows? But they just remained aloof instead of obeying God's law of love. So... The expert in the law, who do you think he would have related to? Probably like his exact depiction in the parable that Jesus says, right? So he's trying to figure out this. Who is my neighbor? Who, who exactly am I supposed to love? I'm not supposed to love those people, right? That's the question he's asking. And Jesus is telling him, you need to ask this question. Who exactly are you? We ask ourselves, who am I? Who am I? Are we going to be like the Good Samaritan who gives help when help is needed? Or are we going to be caught up in these questions about who we're supposed to help, who we're supposed to love, who we're supposed to associate with, and when and where and how and why? But what matters is this, who we are. We have to know this. We can't lose sight of who we are in Christ because in Christ, we're made new creations, right? We talked about last week how when we know Christ, our hearts are literally transformed. It transforms our, our, our hearts to be more like his. That's what the, the series is about, transforming our hearts to be more like Jesus's. And in doing this, we, we had to do our best to be sincere with this love that we're to express to everyone around us. And uh, that's our second point, the importance of being sincere, having this uh, authentic love. And so to answer the question of who exactly is my neighbor, your, your neighbor is the, the, the people you encounter in your day-to-day lives who desperately need the mercy of God. They're the wounded, they're the broken, they're the lost, they're the people around you who need the compassion of the Lord. They, they could live in your neighborhood. They may work with you. They're the servers, the, the restaurants, the cashiers, the, 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 the counter people. They're the people who you have to call on customer support. Please pray for them. They're the drivers who, who don't yield. All these people are your neighbors who get on your nerves. They're the people who, who post articles on, on social media that you're like, what? You know, pray for them, right? Instead of commenting angrily. They're the people that we encounter each and every day who are in need of the mercy we've been shown by our Heavenly Father. Paul encourages us with this amazing passage in Romans 
chapter 12, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And and that passage has like several sermons in it, and maybe we can dive into them today. So here we go. Uh, One of four. No. (laughs) One of these days, not today. We're looking at this verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This, this word hospitality here that we get uh, comes from the Greek word phylonexia. There's your Greek word of the day. Uh, it literally means a love of strangers. It means a love of those foreign to you. Uh, another definition of this hospitality is the quality or disposition of receiving and treating guests and strangers in a warm, friendly, generous way. It's, it's being kind to the people who you wouldn't normally associate with on your own natural things. It's being kind to everybody, right? This, this hospitality that we're being told to express. This hospitality that we're talking about is about loving our neighbors through Christ and helping them to realize that they matter to God and that he wants to be in relationship with them. It's all about helping people know Christ. And we have to be sincere about it. Uh, It has to be genuine. We can't phone in this love. It it can't be phony. We can't fake it, okay? It's not being kind to people because we're being told to be kind at church, right? It's it's this heart transformation that longs to help people know Jesus better. It it has to be sincere. And uh, Dad and I were talking about uh, our notes this week, and we came across this third point, which was we are to be hospitable without grumbling, and uh, that word grumbling sort of caught my eye because uh, I, you know, I won't admit to being a complainer, but I, I'd be lying if I say I don't grumble sometimes, right? And, you know, it's that low... <laughs> Love one another without doing that, okay? Sounds ridiculous. First Peter... Chapter 4 is where we get that word grumbling from. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer that hospitality that we just mentioned to one another without grumbling. We're to be hospitable people, demonstrating hospitality to others the way that God has demonstrated to us. And what God is so good, God is so good. He equips us to do what we're talking about here. Okay, we, we see in First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God equips us to help others. And that, that's so amazing there. God gives us what we need. Because what we ultimately need is Jesus. We need to know that he is our Lord and Savior. The, the ultimate act of, of sincere and genuine hospitality without grumbling was when Jesus willingly went to the cross. He willingly died for all sinners, for our sin, to, to wash away all the, the shame of sin, the guilt, so that everyone who repents and submits to Jesus becomes a member of the household of God. We, we repent of our sins. We, we know Jesus is Lord. We submit to his ways. And that's how we find our home in God's family. So we're all called to that. We find our true home in God. We are no longer strangers and aliens. We are the family of God when we live lives submitted to Jesus. That's it. He he gives us what we need. He sets us on the right way. He protects us. He guides that. 
And knowing this, with all this in mind, uh, the Good Samaritan has all these amazing parallels and metaphors, and I just wanted to take a moment and look at some of those. And maybe you haven't read this parable this way, but I want to tell you that the Good Samaritan in the parable, as much as we should try to be like him, is Jesus. Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the hero of the story. He's at the center of it all. He always is and always will be. Jesus was the good Samaritan, and we can continue to look at some of these other parallels that that injured man, we've all been there, that's all people and their fallen condition of sin and desperate need of a savior. The the, the robbers who would come and rob and steal, that's, that's sin and the forces of darkness and the devil in his dominion lurking around every corner trying to find an opening to attack. They're out to steal, kill, and destroy we see the priest and the Levite, and that represent the laws and sacrifices of the Old Covenant, and they're, they're not going to help us here. The only one who can help us is the Good Samaritan, Jesus. And we see uh, this metaphorically that the wine and the oil, uh, they correspond to the blood that Jesus shed for us and the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That is what heals us. That is what rescues us. That is what saves us, the blood of Jesus at the cross, risen Lord. So then we see the inn. The good Samaritan takes the broken to the inn. And that inn then could represent the church. And that's us in the church. We are called to be the innkeepers. We're called to be in the inn and to take care of the broken and sick, nurture them spiritually as best as we can and help them to know Jesus more. And in that denarii, I can represent those, those gifts that Jesus gives us. Like I mentioned, he equips us to help those we need to help. He's so good about that. And that's our heart. That's our transformed heart is believers, that because Jesus has rescued and saved us, we're to help others come to know him as their Lord and Savior. And that we, that's done by love. It's done by hospitality that goes to all people, those strange and foreign to us. So, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing here in our church. You're awesome. We are, we're so privileged to be here. And, and Lord, I, I pray that you'd stir up this hospitality in our church more and more and more, God, that we'd have just a love for everybody. Lord, we want to see the sick, the beaten up, the brokenhearted restored through you. So use this church as your, your in, however you see fit. Now, my mom's got a word for us. Thanks, Doug. Um, some of you know our lovely children's pastor, Georgina. She's home watching, and during the last song in worship, she felt like she got a word from the Lord, and I want to share it with you because it's just really good. And she felt like, um, this is the word, this is your call. You have heard and felt right. You have been called. Enter into his kingdom. And the ver- this is the verse she has for you, Second Corinthians 6.1, for he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And she just really felt like someone needed to give their life to the Lord today. You felt it during worship, and you felt that pull. And so if that was you, when when Douglas releases the ministry team, go tell them. They can go there now. That's that's good time. (laughs) Ministry team, go. Um, (laughs) 
If that's any of you, do that. Let us know, and I, I will text Pastor Georgina. She's going to be back soon. She's doing better. Thanks. Thank you. Yay. So yeah, our ministry team's over there to pray for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your lives, it is the single best decision you can ever make. Anybody on that wall would be happy to lead you through that. They're there to pray for anything, though, whether you need prayers for healing. We believe God heals. Go over there, pray. Situational breakthrough, intercessory, it's all good. Get prayed up. And uh, church, got to say this too. Thank you so much for partnering with our church. Your amazing generosity keeps the day-to-day functions of this church going and helps us do some really cool stuff for our community and all over the place. So we thank you. If you're interested partnering with us, info's up there. Let's sing the doxology together, and I think we'll be good. So here we go. Praise God. Nicely done. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we get one lost child back to dad. Practice genuine hospitality out in the parking lot. Catch some fish. If you catch anything delicious, let me know. Hope your driver wins. See you later. Bye. An online church, we love you so much, and we're so thankful that you tuned in to join us. Be reading Luke chapters 12 through 17. My dad's back up next week with part eight. You won't want to miss it. We will see you then. Goodbye.